Chapter 27, Auditions. Mulgucken didn't squeeze hard enough to cut off the air, but it certainly wasn't comfortable. While Jordan spluttered a curse and ripped at the vice principal's hands, Nix could only blink. Could teachers do this? Would Ms. Winkle see and help them? Panic blossomed in her as she remembered Ms. Winkle was still in the hospital. I know the truth, McGuckin hissed, sending flecks of warm spittle onto their faces. When I'm gonna prove it, then we'll see how cocky you are. He released their throats only to grab the front of their shirts and drag them down the hall. The final growl hadn't sounded, so there were plenty of students to witness their humiliating walk to the administration building. Jordan kept trying to break McGuckin's grip, but the boy was no match for the orangutan arms. Nix probably could have wrestled free, but didn't want to take the chance of McGuckin ending up with her shirt. As it was, Nix had to walk very close to the vice principal to keep her shirt from rising up and exposing her multiple love handles to the general public. Jordan swore his dad would lock McGuckin up for child abuse, but this only earned him a laugh. If he's any kind of father, he'll thank me. McGuckin shoved them through the double doors. As mortifying as the mode of transportation had been, the actual punishment turned out quite enjoyable. Although they started in McGucking's office, he soon got called out to deal with the boys' showers backing up and ushered the prisoners into Principal Weatherwax's office instead. Granted, they had to endure off-the-wall comments every few minutes and pretend to eat the old man's candy, but on the plus side, they could say anything they wanted and Weatherwax didn't seem to hear. Nix recounted her reunion with Mrs. Zerby and her gift of twenty dollars, I'm going to have to make friends with this lady. Jordan casually spit a mint into his hand and offered it to Nix. She pushed him away and tossed the candy in the garbage. So now you have money for cat food? Better than that, Nix explained her plan to fake a feline disease and related how the first phase had turned Mrs. Wack into an anxious fit. You're a genius, Jordan said. Remind me to copy off you in math. It won't be my fault when we both get held back. I could use another year as a softie. I'm sure we'd have loaf to keep us company. Nix glanced at the clock. Jordan scratched his name into the side of the desk. Nix glanced at the clock. Jordan poked himself in the eyelids to see the crazy colors, he claimed. Nix glanced at the clock. I'd like to know who wrote the school attendance policy. They're really going to punish us for missing class by making us miss more class? My Gladys used to make the most delicious peach cobbler you've ever tasted, Weatherwax said. Nix and Jordan pasted on a polite smile. You told us about that, Nix said. It sounds delicious. Weatherwax beamed and got out of his seat to give Nix another two-minute hug. Over the principal's shoulder, Nix looked pleadingly at Jordan, but he sat giggling in his seat. That's right, Jordan. Laugh it up. Four more hugs and two more cobbler stories later, Nix realized they hadn't heard the bell, probably because Weatherwax had been singing German folk tunes. Lunch was half over. They made straight for the arts building where a pigtailed sophomore stood center stage. Nix wasn't impressed with her solo. Half the school was there, taking up the first dozen rows. After the rather squeaky song ended, Nix caught sight of Tiago and dragged Jordan into the row. I already signed you guys in, Tiago said, right after Sarah and me. Sarah waved from the seat next to him. She looked incredible, as usual. Her light blue sweater somehow making her hair look like spun gold. Still, she paled in comparison to Tiago Padilla, who, Nix now noticed, was sitting entirely too close to the glossy blonde. Nix suddenly found herself incredibly grateful to the inventor of the armrest. Sarah pulled her arm back. Had they been holding hands? Hello, Sarah, Nix said a little more curtly than she intended. I'm glad you decided to audition. 
Me too, Sarah said. Although I doubt I'll get a part. You'll get a part, Tiago said. So far, the acts have been awful. The last kid sounded like a tortured hamster. Nix and Sarah laughed. How could you not? Even if it hadn't been funny, they would have laughed. Just hearing the boy's voice made you giddy. Nix abruptly stopped giggling as Sarah's fingers made their way across the armrest. With everything in her, Nix fought the impulse to slap the hand back. Why was she so irritated? It wasn't Sarah's fault she was beautiful and charming, or that Tiago was already infatuated with her, and it certainly wasn't like Nix had any chance with him. She was supposed to be thinking of him as a very attractive cousin. Still, hadn't Sarah ever heard of playing hard to get? Nix sighed. Who was she kidding? Sarah was doing the exact thing any girl would have done when Tiago showed the slightest interest. And of all people, Nix was glad it was Sarah. Didn't she deserve it? Out of a hundred kids, she'd been the only one that made the fat girl feel welcome at a pool party. Having finally navigated around her irrational feelings of jealousy, Nix leaned over to whisper something to Jordan and found him gone. Tiago, Sarah whispered, can you ask Leo if I dropped my planner in his car? I can't find it anywhere. Yeah, right. The oldest trick in the book. Oops, I left my jacket at your house. Sorry to bother you. I came back for my retainer, which I accidentally put under your pillow. Nix was about to turn the conversation to their missing mutual friend when a hawk-nosed kid, who might have been a junior, put a hand on Nix's belly. He might as well have lit her on fire for the shock it caused her. Looks like she's going to be a big girl like her mama, he said as he rubbed the unicorn on her shirt. Tiago looked ready to say something, but was interrupted by the booming rap vibrating Sarah's purse. The hawk-nosed boy removed his hand and strode up the aisle, probably to collect money from his friends. Nix pressed her arms into her stomach. She wanted to be angry, but all she could think was how her belly must have felt to the kid. Was he disgusted? How many ripples did he feel? She felt vaguely like she needed to throw up. Sarah scrambled to answer her phone. Students glared in their direction. Hello, this is Sarah. Two seconds later, Sarah shot to her feet. I told you to stop calling me. This isn't funny. Sarah closed her phone and stuffed it deep into her purse. She adjusted her sweater with a shaky hand. Same idiot as before, trying to scare me. What did he say? Tiago asked. Sarah shook her head and sat down. Did she have tears in her eyes? You're right, Nick said. It's probably someone pulling a prank, but maybe if we could find out. Sarah's phone rang again. She silenced it and examined the display. It's that number. Same thing every time. He's pretending to be Quincy. Pretending to be who? Nix asked. Tiago's reaction was completely different. Are you serious? His wide eyes glowed in the dim light. What a jerk. Don't answer it. Nix didn't know what to do. While she didn't want to frighten Sarah further by making a big deal out of this, it probably had something to do with the diary thief. Nix was about to ask if she could talk to the caller when the phone beeped. Sarah put the phone to her ear. He left a message. Nix waited and did her best not to look at Tiago. She couldn't afford to be distracted right now. The sound of the next auditioner singing much too close to the mic made it impossible for Nix to overhear any of the message. Every time Nix thought she caught a scratchy word from the phone, it was replaced by Walter Snodgrass's nasally tenor voice. Finally, Sarah lowered the phone. Nix watched her, trying not to seem too eager. Sarah handed the phone to Tiago. Walter finally finished and received a half-hearted applause. Call the police, Tiago said when he'd finished the message. Can I listen? Nix put her hand up for the phone. He pushed a button and handed it to her. Sarah! Sarah! 
came a young man's voice. It's really me. You have to believe it. I can't explain everything, but I have to warn you. My dad is looking for you and mom. He's got people working all over. Powerful people. Threatening everybody close to me. Mom and I are safe, but you're not. You have to get out of Woods Cross. Go away somewhere. Please, Sarah. People have died already. The phone beeped, and an automated voice asked Nix what she wanted to do with the message. She handed the phone to Sarah. Now Nix was confused more than anything. She opened her mouth to ask one of the hundred questions buzzing around in her head, but Sarah stood and mumbled something about the bathroom. After Sarah had gone, Nix turned to Tiago. What was that all about? What do you mean? Tiago asked. It was some guy pretending to be Quincy. Yeah, I got that part, Nix said, ecstatic to be having another private conversation with Tiago. But who is he? Mrs. Finkbone called out another name, and a muscular senior girl made her way up on stage. You don't know who Quincy Abendroth is, he said in a loud whisper. Sarah was his neighbor. Nix leaned closer to Tiago. Quincy Abendroth? Sarah actually knew the kid that disappeared? They were pretty much best friends. I thought everyone knew that. So that's why Sarah had been acting so strange about going up to the mansion. Did that mean the stories about the Abendroths were true? It gave Nix the chills to think that the father might be out there hunting down his family. But had people really been killed? Even if Mr. Abendroth was looking for his wife and son, why would he be offing people to get to them? And where does one dig up powerful friends, anyway? Did he join the mafia? Still, if Mr. Abendroth really were desperate to find them, it would explain the breaking into Sarah's room. If anyone knew where Quincy and his mom had run off to, the boy's best friend would. It would be a simple matter to get Sarah alone and find out what she knew. Maybe he thought the diary would give something away. Had it been Mr. Abendroth that kicked Jordan in the face? Or maybe he sent one of his powerful friends to break in for him. It was obvious now they'd been all wrong in suspecting Loaf. Pillowhead didn't have a crush on Sarah. He wanted to force her into giving away the Abendroth's hiding place. Does Sarah know where Quincy is? Nix whispered. Tiago shrugged. Most I can get out of her are one-word answers. Nix understood why Sarah turned shy around him. Something about talking with the Padillas made you suddenly preoccupied with the current state of your hair, face, and breath. Fawn seemed to be the only girl whose ego was immune to such an assault. Well, we should find out what Sarah knows, Nick said, excited to finally have a lead. I've got a feeling her burglar has something to do with this. You don't think that really was Quincy on the phone? I think the first thing we need to do is get the number the guy was calling from. Jordan appeared beside Nix, looking paler than usual. Where were you? she asked. Outside, going over my song. A Latina with a buzz cut finished her audition. The crowd erupted in loud whistles, and Nix realized the girl's solo had been amazing. The recollection of what they were doing there, coupled with the appearance of real competition, made her stomach contract until it was the size of a small brick. She glanced at Jordan. If his face was any measure of what was going on in his belly, he was feeling much the same thing. The flustered singer made her way off stage. So how long do we have? Jordan asked. Well, next after this one, Tiago said. The brick expanded to the size of a cinder block and began tumbling inside Nix's abdomen. It felt like she'd forgotten how to breathe properly. Jordan's expression changed. Nix followed his gaze to where Fawn stood center stage in a tank top and shorts, smiling with obscene confidence. Beryl played the intro and Fawn took a step forward, completely at ease. No point in denying it, the girl was born to be on stage. What had Nix gotten herself into? Maybe she could play the part of Aunt M or even the Wicked Witch. It wouldn't hurt to have a fat witch, would it? Maybe Jordan could do lights or something. But what if one of them didn't even get a small part? Would it be her that went home while everyone else rehearsed? It didn't matter. As long as Sarah got something, it would be worth it. 
This was all to keep her from being alone. Naturally, Fawn had a stunning voice. Her solo filled the auditorium, effortless and perfect. When she stepped down, the audience roared with applause. I didn't like it, Jordan said. Nick stared at him. From the way he was ogling her, you'd have thought he'd never heard anything so heavenly. What? Jordan said. She's pretty enough, but she sings like a goat. It's called vibrato. Whatever it's called, she sounded like she should be out grazing somewhere. Nix didn't know whether Jordan was being sincere or if he was only trying to make her feel better, but it worked. The cinder block shrank back to the size of a brick and stopped scraping against her other organs. We better get down there, she said. Nix was glad to have Tiago walking in front of her. Watching him made it even easier to forget her anxiety. By the sudden intake of breath as they passed, Nix could tell other girls were appreciating him too. But then the mood in the room changed. Nix tore her gaze from the nape of Tiago's neck in time to see two people hit the ground next to the orchestra pit. Had someone tripped? Students crowded around and shouted, A fight. Probably loaf and some freshman. But as they got closer, Nix clapped both hands onto her head. Fawn and Sarah were locked in a vicious clawing match on the floor of the auditorium. Mrs. Finkbone shouted at them and looked around frantically, as if hoping to find another adult or a pitcher of water. Nix, do something, Jordan said over the cries of the spectators. The toothless security guard appeared out of nowhere and flew down the steps past them. Within seconds, Mr. Coons had separated the girls, but only after acquiring a nasty scratch across the nose. Stay away from my boyfriend, Malibu Barbie. Fawn's coarse voice echoed off the walls in disturbing contrast to her melodic solo. So what? He can't have any friends? Sarah shouted back. Tears streamed on her swollen lip. You don't own him, you know. Why would he want to be friends with air-headed dits anyway? He might as well get a golden retriever. Fawn's admirers chuckled. Nix sensed Tiago go rigid next to her. Coons led both the girls up the stairs by their elbows. As they passed, Tiago said, She didn't do anything to you, Fawn. Why do you have to make people feel stupid all the time? This seemed to catch Fawn by surprise. She opened her mouth to speak, but Coons pushed her forward. That's enough, he said, his whistly voice full of a quiet authority. Sarah wiped her cheek dry with her free hand. Where are you taking us? I'll let the vice principal decide what he wants to do with you. Nix ached to drive her fist into Fawn's smug face. The queen of Cross High knew exactly what she was doing. That's not fair. Nix hadn't meant to yell it, and it echoed loudly in the quiet auditorium. Fawn waited until after she'd auditioned and then picked a fight. She didn't want Sarah to have a chance. I don't want to audition anymore, Sarah mumbled. Nix pointed at Fawn's lipsticky smirk. You're going to let her win? Nix knew she was making a powerful enemy, but she couldn't let Fawn destroy her plans to keep Sarah safe. We want you to audition, Nix said, all of us. She hoped Sarah would get her meaning. Tiago was on her side, and Tiago was worth it. She is next, Mrs. Finkbone called from the foot of the stage. Coons nodded and released Sarah's elbow. The silence pressed on Nix's ears as Sarah made her way up to the stage. Beryl gave her a smile of encouragement and started playing. Sarah looked beautiful under the lights. She'd make a great Dorothy. They had beaten Fawn. Then she began to sing. Despair washed over Nix, obliterating all feelings of triumph. To be fair, Sarah did tell Tiago she couldn't sing. But this... How could such an awful noise come out of such a pretty person? She might have found the right pitch a couple of times, but it was certainly an accident. Okay, Mrs. Finkbone interrupted. I think that's enough. Sarah looked a little startled and stopped singing. A long-haired boy immediately offered his services to help Sarah down and escort her back to where Coons waited. Fawn's broad lips stretched into an enormous smile. 
Encore. Nyx didn't find any beauty in that face anymore. Somehow all of her perfect features couldn't compete with the ugliness that radiated off her in waves. Or as Jordan often said, it didn't matter how cute the baby was, if it smelled like poop, no one wanted to hold it. Tiago Padilla, Mrs. Finkbone called, you're next. Once Coons had left with the girls, the other kids took their seats, gossiping and laughing. While Tiago made his way on stage, Nix approached the director. Mrs. Finkbone's gray-streaked hair was pulled into a tight bun at the top of her neck. Mrs. Finkbone, can I ask you something? Nix said, keeping her voice low. A look of doubt flitted across the teacher's face. You don't need another session, do you? Oh, no, nothing like that. Mrs. Finkbone seemed to relax. Nick stepped closer. Um, are there any parts where you don't have to sing? Are you asking for yourself or someone else? Nick smiled weakly. It's just that Sarah really, really wanted to be in this, and I think she'd be happy with any part, even if it didn't require singing. Beryl played Tiago's intro. All of the cast members have to be able to sing Nick's, but maybe I can find her job backstage. The crew still rehearses with us, right? Yes, now I have to concentrate. Tiago had begun his solo, and a few females in the front row grinned and whispered. It was no wonder the two most beautiful girls in the school had been fighting over him. If Mrs. Finkbone was smart, she'd make him one of the leads. They'd sell twice as many tickets. As for sound quality, it was clear Tiago didn't have a lot of singing experience, but at least he stayed on pitch, and when he belted the high note, Nix got the chills. Then again, it might have just been that he glanced in her direction right then. Tiago got more applause than Fawn, but only because the seats were full of girls. Nix envied the boys that were auditioning. Their odds were much better at getting a part. She'd be lucky if she made the chorus. Tiago beamed at Nix and hopped off the stage. Nix was glad she'd gotten him to do this. Maybe he would realize he loved singing and be forever indebted to her. Of all the people she'd like to have indebted to her, Tiago was at the top of the list. Jordan's solo sounded much the same as it had that morning. He actually didn't seem all that nervous. Maybe he was thinking he couldn't possibly sound as bad as Sarah, so why worry? Nix was sorry to admit the thought had crossed her mind as well. After Jordan finished, Nix whistled and hooted along with Tiago. He hadn't missed a single word or note. Stupid photographic memory. Phoenix whack! Nix's heart went into overdrive, her turn. She climbed carefully onto the stage. It felt almost like she was going up the steps to the Abendroth mansion. The eyes of the students drilled holes in the back of her head. There had to be at least a hundred spectators. She moved onto the rough black surface of the stage. Below her, Beryl flipped through the pages of her music. Suddenly, Nix wasn't sure about her song. Think of Me was kind of ambitious. What if her voice cracked on the high notes? The moment Nix arrived at center stage and faced the audience, her knees almost gave way. Her previous fear seemed silly compared to the terror that engulfed her now. Three hundred people at least. In the sea of faces, she couldn't find where she'd left Jordan and Tiago. She glanced at Beryl to orient herself, but the goofy girl with the sunglasses must have mistook that for her cue to start playing. The introduction began. Nix's mind raced furiously for the first few words. She'd known them ten seconds ago. What were they? Another pang of panic skewered her. The piano had been playing too long. She'd missed her cue. What now? Beryl stopped playing. Nix couldn't bring herself to look over there. Sorry... Nix's voice sounded weak and shaky in the enormous theater. One more time? Chuckles came from the darkness. She had to pull herself together. She knew this song. She'd sung it 600 times over the last two days. She just needed to slow her breathing and calm down. Nix put her hands straight down to her sides and took a deep breath. She let it out slowly. Beryl began playing again. Nix's heart still raced in her chest. 
With one more slow breath, Nyx focused on relaxing her muscles, first her hands, then her arms. The sensation traveled into her shoulders, and she felt her chest muscles loosen. Beryl was almost to her entrance. She was playing very slowly so Nyx wouldn't miss it again. Nyx concentrated on making her heart beat slower. Finally, it began to decelerate. That's it. She could almost feel the blood losing momentum in her veins. Slower. And then, several things happened at once. The lighting changed. She heard a loud clattering behind her. The music stopped and most of the students jumped to their feet. Great. As soon as she was ready to sing, something breaks. Several students rushed onto the stage with Mrs. Finkbone close behind, a cluster of kids already crouched on the stage behind Nick's. Why was Jordan pushing people out of the way? Had something fallen from the overhead rigging? Then she glimpsed a lifeless arm stretched out across the black floor. But who could have been up on the catwalk? They must have fallen fifty feet. Nix got closer. Who was that on the ground? Mrs. Finkbone shouted for everyone to get back. An enormously fat Chinese girl lay unconscious on the stage floor, her brown hair flowing out in all directions like a dandelion puff. Brown hair? Chinese people didn't have brown hair. But the young woman seemed familiar somehow. Give her some air, the teacher said. No, don't move her. She could be hurt. Did she fall? Nix asked over the murmurs of students. No one answered. Nix was about to tell Jordan to go get the school nurse when she saw the image on the girl's pink shirt, a Lisa Frank unicorn. Nix stared at the body. What was going on? Why was the unconscious girl wearing Nix's shirt? And her dirty sneakers? Nix looked down at her own feet. They were bare and floating several inches above the stage.